Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. On today's episode, it is a 10-game check-in on the Chicago Cubs, who are 8-2. and two. Best record in the National League right now. How long will it last? How long will the season last? A lot of questions to answer, so I'm bringing on my two Cubs experts. First, let's say hello to Sean Graves. Hello, Sean. Jojo, what's going on, buddy? Thanks for having me back. A little, uh, little check-in for the Northsiders. Let's do it. I got my Casey Sadler poster in the mail. Yes. I'm, I'm feeling good right now. Uh, and uh, let's say hello to our other guest today, Dom Fortini. Hello, Dom. Long-time listener, fourth-time contributor. He's back and he's hitting cleanup today. So let's just dive right into it, you guys. This is kind of an open forum. We're 10 games into the season of a 60-game schedule. In theory, we are a sixth of the way through. So maybe we'll we'll check in every 10 games or so and sort of take the pulse of this team right now. So let's start with Sean. Your first, your initial thoughts. You know, take a pulse of this team. Uh, name me, give me one thing that you like the most that you're seeing on the field right now. Um, I, I think how can we how can we just not start with the starting pitching? How can we not start there? We came in. I think just two weeks ago going, oh, damn, Quintana's, Quintana went down, right? Chatwood's now forced up into the, the third spot in the rotation. Oh, shit, Alec Mills is going to be our fifth starter. Who knows what we're getting out of Johnny Chicken Wing Lester. And all of a sudden, these dudes are dominating, right? I think as a staff, they're pitching to a, an ERA for starters, what, one one seven five so far through 10 games? Ooh. In 10 nice. games, that's no joke, man. I mean, I was thinking about this. That's just about 20% of the season. It's the equivalent of, of us doing a check-in like the first week of June right now. That, that's legit pitching. So I think that's my biggest surprise so far. Yeah, you texted me the other day. Uh, does Alec Mills in line for the Cy Young? And I said, not if Tyler Chatwood steals it from him first. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's where we're at now, my I'm friend. Fine Let's fight it out, boys. Let's fight it out. Yeah, we're going to dive into the starting pitching in just a second. Just want to hear from Dom real quick. Dom, what is the most promising sign from this eight and two Cubs team in your eyes right now? I'd love to pick something different, but starting pitching, starting pitching, starting pitching, starting pitching aces. They look, they look great. And you know, two losses, they could probably be, you know, they got, they got housed in Cincinnati once, but you know, a lot of that was garbage time stuff. Um, it's, it's really, it's surprising. I, I, I've, yeah, you know, you're, well, it's okay to be a loss for words because like, think about it like this. You know, you've gotten one good start from Hendricks, one good start from Darvish, one bad start from Darvish, one bad start from Hendricks, right? But your back half, you know, the, the Johnny Lester who was lit up in an inner squad game, you know, just days before the season started has been, you know, has been solid, has been able to like kind of work his way out of trouble. You've got Tyler Chatwood looking like perhaps the best pitcher in our rotation right now with the best stuff, throwing the hardest. He punched out 11 guys in his last start. And then Alec Mills, you know. Stud. You know, yeah, honestly, this guy, <laughs> a guy that you sort of feel like is sort of this fill-in dude, maybe a 4A type player, um, you know, maybe a tweener, a six-starter, long reliever, whatever. And this guy's coming out, not as, you know, not as he throwing strikes, but he's got the curveball working. And, man, that two-seam fastball is absolutely nasty. I mean, Maddox X-esque, you know, popping 90-91 on the gun. You know, the Royals last night really didn't have anything that they could do with that at all. And then now you got Hendricks going again tonight against a really shitty Royals team, and it's just rolling over again, and things are looking pretty good. You know, I can't really figure out, Sean, which one's a bigger surprise for you, Chatwood or Mills? Um, I mean, I, I guess I'll just – 
I want to say Chatwood, but I think we've always known the guy's stuff is there. It's just commanding. I think for me, it has to be Mills because he was a complete, really unknown. He's been more of a kind of a come out of the bullpen, eat some inning type guys. And for him to come out and go, what, what is he at 12, 13 innings through two starts, two earned runs, an ERA of a 1.5. I mean, I think we have to come up with some kind of nickname. You know, Oakland had the Bash brothers from McGuire and Conseco, like, Hendricks and, and Mills with their like you know 89 to 90 like fastball with that with their little third pitch curveball they're dropping there has to be some kind of nickname we come up with the dynamic duo for those two guys if they if they dominate the rest of the way out like how many how many yeah, rotations something, does something have? with like easy listening something with contemporary right? music or like right? some sort how of the, like, how about the cutter club the cutter right? club yeah <laughs> the, the cutting oh. the cutty boys so and, and, you know, we're, we're two turns through the rotation, only 10 games in, but guess what? There's only 16 games. So we're already, what, 16% of the season through. You know, the way that it kind of plans out right now, Dom, I mean, at this point when Quintana is healthy, you know, are you sticking him back in the rotation or is this guy bullpen bound? Yeah, as I was, com- you know, I got, I got my little note sheet all ready to go, uh, mostly with starting pitching stuff because – I mean, these numbers are, they're just eye popping. So I was thinking about, okay, does Quintana upset these five guys or, or do you start a six man rotation? If you think you're going to have double headers and these seven inning games that are going to get piled on top of each other, maybe it's not the worst thing to roll with a six man rotation and maybe give somebody an extra day off at that point. Um, It's Mills. I'm not super Mills had a really good back end the last year. So it's really not surprising to me. Um, I would say Chatwood's the bigger surprise in that group. He was kind of a head case. And, you know, every time he, he would come out on the mound, you knew you had to set the DVR for like another hour because he was just going to take pledges for the walkathon. But an ERA of 0.71 in 12 innings, opponents hitting 140 and minimal walks. I mean, he's walking two or three guys. But, I mean, these they're around the plate. They're throwing strikes. Granted, you know, big, you know, you played the Royals, you took care of the Royals mills. The Royals aren't that great. However, these are, this is a big league team and these guys can hit. Those guys last night were flailing at stuff. That stuff between Chatwood and mills, that stuff is falling off a table. It's hard to hit. It's hard to see. Even last night, there were guys who were taking swings that were just pitiful and you know, they're up there guessing against those guys. And and that's, that's what you want. But of course, leave it to Cub fans to like, you know, 10 games in the year, we're like, this is the crown. We're give us the crown right now because <laughs> they're rolling. Like we, we all had concerns about Cincinnati. They didn't look that great. Um, and maybe it's just, you know, shaking the cobwebs out and they'll start rolling eventually. But I don't know. I mean, the, the pitching staff minus the bullpen looks great. Yeah. Oh, we'll get to them, sir. We'll get to them. But no, you're right though. Like you start doing the cubby math, right? You're at eight and two. Literally, all you have to do is just play 500 baseball the rest of the way through, and that yeah. gets you to 34 wins. I think when we talked in our Cubs preview, I think we were all in agreement that 30 to 34 wins is guaranteed playoffs. You know, in a 16 team, then you're also probably looking at a situation where at least you get to host a first round if you don't win your division. So they're already on track for that right now. You know, my question for you, Sean, is Dom, you brought up a really great point about the six man rotation, and typically when that happens, you kind of start going man-to-man and being like, well, who would that affect the most and who would that be a detriment towards? I'm kind of going through the list a little bit, Sean, and I think, I think everyone in the rotation, 
probably wouldn't mind that extra day, right? I mean, Hendricks, after a month, seems to go through his shoulder issues. I think yeah. Lester would enjoy the extra day. I don't think it would really hurt Darvish that much if he isn't on his schedule. You know, a six-man rotation, what do you think about that? I, I think, first off, what, what has to happen there, hey, let's see where Quintana is in two weeks, and let's see where the rest of the rotation is. You know, if the, the guys are still dominating like they are now in two weeks, that's a great conversation to have. You know, my initial thought coming into the season was if it played out as is, and the Cubs specifically were going to have their, their off days towards the middle or back end, if someone was off, you might even go, you might go the other way and go to a four-man rotation. Now, if the guys keep dominating like this, I, I, I don't know that I would want to take them off their, their five-day rhythm. I mean, you know, why, why mess with that if we don't have to? Again, if someone falls off or someone needs the extra day, give it to them. And I don't know, again, if the, if the Cubs' bullpen keeps going the wrong way, like, you know, Joey, we talked about this the other day in a text as well. Quintana and Spurts out of the bullpen, if he can do it, 94, 95 from the left side, got a filthy curveball. I mean, he might be right away your top lefty out of the pen. I mean, you know, Ryan came in the other night and got rocked around in, in, in a 4 nothing game, three spot like that. What do you have? Colin Ray behind that I mean so I don't know I'm up in the air on the six-man rotation right now I just kind of want to let that play out and see where we are in two weeks and see where we are in the schedule as well you know if the Cubs like Dominic said have to start having games postponed because of other teams getting COVID cough cough idiot Cardinals and you have a bunch of games down the line then maybe we have to do that just to save some arms yeah it'll definitely depend on how the doubleheaders if they start stacking up a little bit, I do like yeah. the seven inning double headers a whole lot because that does help a team like the Cubs with a dog ass bullpen. Uh, you could actually have some oh, guys sure. throw a couple complete games in those seven inning double headers. Mm -hmm. And then the other part too is, you know, you're going to play, you're going to play your schedule, right? I mean, you can only play the teams that are on your schedule and you've got the Royals, you've got the Tigers, um, you know, you've got the Pirates. And then let's be honest, you know, now with Lorenzo Kane opting out, uh, Ryan Braun isn't healthy. That Brewers lineup does not scare me at all. So there are definitely some teams with some matchups where you can continue to roll these guys out and keep giving them chances. And my thing with Quintana is, you know, I do kind of like him out of the bullpen at first. I'm kind of imagining in a, a scenario where maybe, you know, there are going to be those days when Johnny Lester really struggles to get through that third and fourth inning and can only get through five innings. I really like maybe a guy like Quintana that can cover the sixth, seventh inning, perhaps maybe even the ninth if he's on a hot day. Because honestly, right now, you know, you know, we're we're, we're having such a good time. I don't want to pivot into something that is so triggering and awful. But maybe we can talk about the bullpen because there are only three dudes right now that I trust, and I'm saying trust almost in borderline quotation marks, and that's Casey Sadler, Jeremy Jeffress, and um, and Rowan Wick. Those are the only three dudes right now that when they come into the game, I borderline at least think that we can get consecutive outs, yeah. um, which is saying a lot. And, you know, through the first six games, this bullpen was doing things that we had never really seen before, um, before our very eyes. And it still is a situation that I think is going to have to be worked out. You know, you still have guys on your roster that you straight up just can't pitch right now. Like, you can't give me a situation – that you can bring Craig Kimbrell into the game. What situation is that? You know, is it the sixth inning? Do you feel good about that? No, not really. I mean, what, unless we're up 14 to two. Yeah. When are you bringing Craig Kimbrell in? You know, so let's pivot over to this bullpen a little bit. Uh, Don, maybe if you want to go first, maybe not necessarily how do you fix this thing, 
But right now, how do you get through the next three or four days? I think let's just go day by day with this thing. You know, you know, tonight, you know, we saw Wick, uh, we saw Wick in the game last night, which you think maybe Jeffries is available tonight. You know, who are you turning to tonight when the bullpen, you know, when David Ross extends his arm and the barn is open, who do they turn to? I would hope they would turn to me. They've got <laughs> six relievers, six, six relievers with a nine plus ERA. That's that is that is not good. Two of them, brothers and Maple, six runs, six walks in an inning and a third with a walk rate of over twenty percent. That's and not the, easy to the, do. The Wood, the Wood brothers too, I believe, are in that yeah. category, right? God. Kyle under, Ryan under with a nine. Nor. Yeah. Rex Brothers with an eleven and a half. James Norwood, sixteen. Dylan Maples, eighteen. Brad Week, eighteen. Kimbrel, I. <laughs> 37? I'm not, I'm not a math major. I can't, I can't do that math. But, I mean, opponents hitting 500 against Dylan Maples, he's not even facing that many guys. What, what's going on out there? Yeah, it's incredible, too, when you look at the amount of walks that the bullpen has given up in contrast to the rotation. I believe the Cubs' starting rotation is, like, 11th in the major leagues in, uh, in walks given up right now. And I can guarantee you that 89% of that is probably coming from the bullpen. I think they've walked over 21 guys in like 24, 25 innings. I mean, Sean, let's just go to tonight, man. Like, you know, who, who are you turning to tonight when the Hendricks takes the bump against the Royals? I mean, I have a good feeling he's going to pitch a good game, maybe pitch a gem, but I don't know if he's going to throw a complete game. Who are you turning yeah. to? First off, I agree with you about Hendricks tonight. I bet he's going to be outstanding. I mean, if it's if it's you know if it's ninth inning and it's two one three one, I think you 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 were on the right track with uh, with JJ going tonight. I think he's probably your first game. I mean, Wick goes an inning and a third last night. You're probably pushing it, running him back out there. He's still a young dude. I don't know that you want to go that route. I mean, I think it probably is. But if he's going with the righty, it's probably Jeffress. And if he goes the lefty, I mean, I, I, I guess that's Ryan. I don't, I don't know. Maybe they, I don't know the, the new kid, Colin Ray, I believe he's a lefty as well. Maybe he throws him out there and says, what the hell? Let's see what the guy can do. Justin Steele is a lefty, I believe. Steele's well. a lefty. Yeah. Yeah. And he just came up and it, it would be a major league debut for him. You never know. But I do think that, I think you're right. I think, I think JJ is the first guy that comes out of the pen tonight in that ninth inning if it's two, one, three, one game. So let's walk through this and maybe let's be uh you know, let's be a couple steps ahead, ahead of the curve here. And I kind of want to hear you guys' thoughts on, you know, Dom, would you bring up Burl Caraway? Would you bring up a Braylon Marquez? Would you try and see if a young kid who maybe doesn't know any better, you know, gets that juice of adrenaline of being in a Cubs uniform and catching lightning in a bottle and can give you that two or three weeks of high-end type stuff in the bullpen? Would you do something like that, or are you worried you'd, wor you'd ruin one of these guys? I think right now, I, when we had talked about this in the past, is pitching ahead of hitting. And these guys have kind of shown, at least the back end of the bullpen, that I, I don't know why the, rotate, the starters look so much better than the relievers do right now. Um, so I wouldn't hesitate to kind of dip into that well of let's bring somebody up, see what he could do, because it kind of sends a message to those guys who are already there of like, hey, we're not screwing around here. We have to win these games. And if you're not getting it done, if you want, if you want to walk half the other lineup and you want to hit, a, you know, Kimbrell the other night, a couple, you know, he walked the bases loaded. He hit a guy. He almost hit freaking Joey Votto, who somehow got out of the way of that. And who that hates so being mad. hit. Yeah, he yeah, hates what, being hit. <laughs> you say, he wants to hang over the plate, but he doesn't want to get hit. I don't understand. But uh, I think a message needs to be sent to those guys, whether it's just Ross marching down there and being like, 
throw strikes. I don't care if you get hit. At least let them hit it. Put the ball in play because, yeah. I mean, you're you're just giving these guys free outs. You're giving them f- free bases, and that's going to cost you. I mean, luckily there hasn't been too many three to three to two or two to one kind of experiences with that. They've kind of all been, you know, giving up three or four runs at a time. Ugh. I don't know. I say dip into the well. Go grab somebody new and, and see what you got. Yeah, I mean, I can you honestly really – I don't believe necessarily in that you can ruin a guy. I, you know, how else are you going to develop that pitcher this year unless he's actually out there on the mound getting a taste? And we have seen before these dudes, you know, take like a dude almost like a Carlos Marmol situation. I know I've made the Bobby Jenks comparison in other places recently. Sometimes – these guys come up, they don't know any better. It's all pure stuff. Rowan Wick last year, yeah. bring a guy up, lightning in a bottle, gets that confidence, and the next thing you know, he turns into an actual piece that you can use. Sean, love to hear from you, man. What, what should we do with the Caraways and the Marquezes that are on? They're on our 60-man roster right now. They can well, be yeah, brought up. Yeah, I mean, my question is, like, how bad are those guys looking in South Bend that you're saying, oh, no, no, we can't replace the 38 dudes with ERAs of 23 at the major league level, right? I guarantee they don't look that bad. So, you, you know, we talked the other night. I'm, I am 300% on board. Bring Caraway up. Let the Marquez get a taste. You just brought Steele up yesterday. Dakota Mekis. I mean, they literally cannot be any worse <laughs> than, than me and Dominic, who are coming out of the bullpen right now. They can't be any worse. You know, and the Caraway kid specifically, right, like, he was drafted for this reason. Like, he was the – like, most uh, professionals said he was probably going to be the first person to make a major league debut out of this entire draft and most likely this year, because he is a pure reliever. You're not, it's not a starter you took that you're asking to all of a sudden be a reliever. This is what the kid does. His arm should be fine. The college season got canceled. It's what he does. Bring him up. If you're going to put Marquez in South Bend, I know he hasn't really pitched past what double a, you put him at South Bend for a reason. Let's go. These guys you have now are garbage. Garbage. Let's go. I'm tired of watching me and Dominic come out of the pen. Let's see some kids from South Bend get a chance. And the not just the throwing of the non-strikes, but it's just the way that they're missing. And it's not even yeah. a situation where they're even setting up this illusion that they could even be in the zone, which is so frustrating. Oh. And, and at this point now, basically, what you have to do is just say to yourselves, you know, Sadler, Wick, and Jeffress right now. All right, we move those guys to 8-9. Those are my 8-9 guys. Maybe Kyle Ryan and a blue moon with the lefty kind of thing. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, maybe Tapera in the 7th, 6th, 7th inning. But you got to find ways to cover those outs. You're going to have to figure that out. And you can't be messing around with these dudes. You know, Dan Winkler, I don't know. You know, last start he did, I guess, okay. But he's been pretty much, uh, you know, a train wreck. And this is something that they're going to have to cover. And the one thing that I'll say, and then we'll hop over to Dom, is I do actually like the what appears to be the tenor of David Ross right now, where I don't know if it's the 60-game season or maybe this is his philosophy, which is a bit of a departure from Joe Madden. It is not a, hey, let's work these guys out. Let's let them kind of level off. Let's stick with these dudes. Let's show them the confidence. It is – it is let's go. It is yeah. when you are out there, you are literally auditioning to stay on this team. And, you know, we are doing, we're doing callbacks and that's it. Um, if you can't get it done, we will ship you out very quickly. If you can't get it done two times in a row, we're just not going to use you again. 
And guess what? He did, they did that exact same thing with Craig Kimbrell, who, you know, we don't know when he's going to pitch again, honestly. But he's the most expensive bullpen guy that we have, and he's already been kind of not shown the door, but he's already in the doghouse. So, uh, Sean, hop back, hop back in. Well, I was going to say, so we talked about, you know, Kimball right now, not knowing when you're going to use him. If, I'm, if I remember correctly, isn't this the week where the roster gets shrunk from 30 to 28? So you're losing two players right there. How, I don't care how much money a guy like Kimball is making, right? Like, if I have you on my team and my roster is shrinking, if you need to work some things out in the pitch lab, go do it in South Bend. If I can't have you on the mound and I'm not using you, someone else has to take your spot or you're going down right now. And if I can really quickly, honestly, they need to look at that rule right now and throw it out the fucking window, okay? Because that's a rule that they created before the season started that they thought was, okay, we're going to expand these rosters, but we do want to kind of pare it down to make it feel a little bit more like actual baseball. Well, guess what? This season is not exactly actual baseball. We still have baseball teams that have only played five games right now compared to other teams' ten. You know, there's going to be doubleheaders like crazy coming up. You know, let's be real. The teams that aren't playing now will te- will play teams further down the road. You know, the whole thing is a mess. I would throw that out the window right away. Yeah. If anything, it's just a screw it. Whatever you need to do with your roster, your taxi squad, whatever you want to call them. Um, I would probably just keep the way it is. Now, MLB seems to be slow on the switch with uh, a lot of different things going on right now. But that's probably my personal, my personal opinion on that. Agreed. Um, and let's talk about the offense here. I mean, you know, we've talked about, I think, the bright spot. We've talked about, obviously, the dark spot of the team. But that, that happy little middle is an offense that has looked, I think, I think what would we call it, above, above average. Like, Dom, if you had to give the offense a grade right now through 10 games, what grade would you give it? I'd probably give them a high B. Um, B plus, you know, right? Just, you know, the eye test, they look good. Are there a couple of guys struggling and having some, some at-bats that, that I question? Absolutely. Um, you know, it looked like last night, Chris Bryant starts to come out of his shell a little bit and that's going to help at the top of the order. Cause it looked like, you know, when you get to two, three, four, and five, those guys were putting together good at bats. And I know at least in the first couple games, they were seeing a lot of pitches. They were driving, you know, following off the pitches, making the pitchers work, um, getting in formidable counts for themselves. Um, I, I think, and, and I will, I will say I was wrong, but Ian Happ has been, you know, I, I, we joked on the, early, on, the, on the season preview that, you know, MLB, the show, the video game, had half hit and 40 home runs. This guy, I mean, put up a statue for him. I mean, what is he doing? I think he's homered every game he's been in. That's, that's crazy good. Yeah, he's I've fourth seen, in the NL in uh, slugging percentage right now. I, I did it's not early, have that but going. That's true. Yeah, that's yeah. fine, but, but that's what he needed. He needs – if that's going to be his game, that's what he's got to do. And, and I don't know if you move him to the top of the lineup, maybe move Bryant down, but I like Bryant and Rizzo at, at the top. I know Hayward's had some questionable at-bats. You know, you've got guys in scoring position or you need to move players over, and he's swinging at the first pitch. I think he's a, he's a, you know, he's a wily veteran and he'll figure that out himself. But overall, I, I, you know, you've had games where the top of the lineup is doing great. You've had games where the bottom of the lineup has just been like, who are these guys? This isn't, this isn't the team that uh, we thought was going to, was going, was going in. So uh, high B with some room to work um, to get to that a status, but you know, I'm, I'm good to go with that, with that lineup. Yeah. The two things that I've seen that I've liked the most so far have been, uh, the, 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 the runners in scoring position isn't exactly where I think I want it to be offensively, but the two out hitting is vastly improved from last year. Hurts after not, two. Yeah. You're not always going to drive in that run with two outs, but I think we've done enough of that 
um, early on in the season to to really like kind of kind of outweigh some of the other things that are going on with the roster a little bit in terms of what you're talking about Don with you know are all of our stars really clicking right now you know not necessarily it's kind of sort of Javi Baez and Wilson Contreras and then you know Rizzo KB and Schwarber sort of kind of alternate days a little bit of sort of when they do something it's not all clicking at the exact same time and then the other part that I like is you mentioned that bottom of the lineup right now you know is it Rossi pushing the right buttons or are these guys just keep showing up but you know the Horners, the Bodies, the Kipnesses, you know, Hap, even Carantini, you know, it's been really nice to see them, you know, hit the ball sharply, get on base. You know, we're third in the major league in home runs right now, but it seems like we're doing it in different kinds of ways. It isn't feeling like maybe the Cubs offenses that we've seen the last couple of years. Sean, what grade would you give the Cubs offense right now? Yeah, I think I'm right there with you guys. I, I would say B plus. I mean, strictly because of the fact, kind of what, what you guys are saying is the top of the lineup hasn't even really gotten going yet. I mean, that's a scary thought to think of that. Like we're putting up six, six and a half runs a game on average. And that's with the top of the lineup. No one KB doing pretty much nothing until last night. Riz getting physically hit left and right, but not doing a whole time. You know, Schwarber will pop you that bomb. And man, if those guys keep going, if those guys get going and the bottom of the lineup keeps up at 75%, that lineup is going to be filthy. And if you guys remember, you know, one of my like three keys in like the season preview I said was my number three was what's going to happen with the second base and center field. And so far Kipnis Horner at second base, that is an A plus plus plus. And then you take what Hap is doing mostly in center field, Almora coming in defensive late. That's probably a B plus A as well. Those two positions getting solidified is just really, really lengthened that lineup. Or as Joe Madden used to like to say, it's made it thick. Finally, we're seeing a thick lineup, and I just can't wait for that top three, four, five guys to get hot because they're going to. KB, Riz, Javi, Willie, those guys are going to get hot, and it's going to get scary for other teams real quick, which I love. Yeah, and what it's been kind of nice is, honestly, it looks like the Albert Elmora experiment is mm -hmm. over. Um, we're not really, you know, we, I don't think he's gotten two starts in a row yet through the first yeah. 10 games. Typically, that would be kind of something that you would see from Joe Madden just to see if he can – he likes the defense. I get it. he's a great defensive player. But at this point, you know, that guy is a bench player at best. Um, and that's sort of where we're at offensively. The other part that I like a lot about the Cubs offense right now is, you know, and we did this last year was we would score fairly early in the th first three or four innings. And then for whatever reason, you know, you'd be going in the eighth inning and be like, you know, that's their first hit in the last three or four innings. And you're kind of like, well, what sort of happened? What I really like is we've been kind of scoring runs in different ways early in the game. And then we've been hitting bombs late. And yeah. they've either been extending leads or they've been keeping us in games. I really loved the thing was three or four games ago. You know, I think we were up uh, we were up three to two or something. We lost the lead or we, we gave up the lead to go to three, two. We came back that very next inning and tied it and then took the lead. That's the kind of stuff that you really need to do to just sort of stay in the flow of the game to, as an offense, just keep giving yourselves an opportunity to be in that situation to either take the lead or extend the lead somehow. Sean, hop in. Well, and, and those late runs have been so huge with our bullpen struggles, right? Like going from the other night, 2 nothing, and then Schwarber hitting a two-run bomb, making it 4 nothing. we win the game 4-3, right? Those late runs have been massive, and things like that are, are giving Rossi the time to figure out this dumpster fire of a bullpen and let us still be 8-2. and two. So you're spot on with those late runs just being huge for the team right now. 
Dom, I want to ask you, um, it's super early. General thoughts on David Ross? I mean, the lineup combinations, they seem to be pretty solid. Uh, he's working his way through the bullpen. I mean, are you liking what you're seeing on a very general level from David Ross? I like what I'm seeing from Ross, and I think his attitude is kind of um, prevailing over the team. I mean, he's getting his message through. One of the things I enjoy about this season, first of all, uh, shout out to Comcast and Marquee for getting together so I could watch these games, uh, is the, uh, the general enthusiasm. Like, I can't tell you how many times I laugh at a game because I can hear either David Ross specifically yelling or, you know, the team clapping and cheering along. I, I mean, some people, and, and I could see this point of view, like it's kind of a Legion thing. It's a Bush League thing that they're getting loud. I freaking love it. Yeah. Like, who doesn't want to see a guy with a good take? You know, it's, the, it's in the bottom of the first inning. And the dugout's going crazy for that guy for taking a, a, a good curveball that was close to the zone to work the count in his favor. And more times than not, when the count is in your favor, you're going to get your pitch. You're going to at least put the bat on the ball in a good manner. Um, I think the bullpen is certainly going to be a challenge for him, but he's a catcher. He comes from, you know, catching lore. He knows how to handle some pitchers right now. I think he's, you know, I think any of us would struggle when you're like, I have to open that door and get somebody out there. I, you know, if they're all terrible, it's not necessarily his fault. So he's going to have to, to, uh, to handle that situation. But overall, I, I think they're having fun. I think they're, they're enthused. And I think that comes, you know, from the top. One of my favorite things was I think there was a moment, I think it was on Sunday, they were interviewing David Ross like from the dugout mid-inning or whatever, and it was this moment where Wilson Contreras got jammed and he hit this little dribbler to second base and he kind of didn't run it out to first base. And David Ross like mid-sentence like stopped and sort of stared at Willie like not run to first. <laughs> and like you could tell that he kind of like went red for a minute. He's like, don't blow up on camera, like go on back, but... I definitely think he's bringing a little something different to the table. We talked about it preseason about how, you know, it is a little different. Like, I mean, and maybe it was a stale message from Madden after a while. You know, obviously Joe's got a place in our hearts for, for winning the world yeah. series, but after a while it, it you know, and I've, I've told this to Sean while at games, like the idiosyncrasies that made Joe Madden are also the undoing of Joe Madden because yeah. you start, you start missing guesses and you're just like, what is he doing out there? And when it works, you're just like, why didn't I think of that? Yeah, if you're with someone long enough, eventually, you know, the coach is going to make a mistake with the player, which is fine and understandable. But after four years, you know, maybe that like that trust factor just erodes a little bit enough where it kind of goes in one year out the other. I always kind of remember, too, when I was playing high school baseball, you know, during the season, you know, our, our, our manager, who I loved, was you know a, a taskmaster you had to do everything correct I mean let's be honest like if you weren't fundamentally sound on the field like you straight up weren't going to play and I always remember we would go to summer league and I always had a different coach and it wasn't that I like I respected him any less or any more I respected him just the same but it was a completely different vibe where the dude was obviously a little bit younger a little bit closer to my age was there was a little bit more of a loose atmosphere of like a bit of a, like a grip it and rip it take some risks and sometimes you need to do that on the ball field just you know maybe to help bring your potential out and I actually played a little bit better in the summertime I just didn't feel like someone was always looking over my shoulder even though if I screwed up he would maybe curse me out you know maybe a little bit harder than the other guy <laughs> but just for some reason you know I, I felt a little bit more freedom it, it was it's kind of hard to describe and I don't know if that's exactly what's going on but maybe tonally it's a little bit of something that they're feeling right now. Sean, you know, uh, just your thoughts on David Ross, on Rossi through the first 10 games. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you guys, too. I've been very impressed so far. I mean, I think the one thing that we kind of talked about also in our preview with Rossi is how would he handle that pitching staff, right? How would he handle the bullpen having no spring training games and so forth? And for me, he set the tone on opening night. When he went out there two outs in the ninth inning to talk to Hendricks, and he walked back in and let his guy go, I think the entire team right there was like, okay, this is different. He's going to trust his guys. As long as they are doing their job, they're going to get a chance to do their job, right? And then also, if they're going to go out there, that catcher in him comes out. If they're going to go out there and walk the world, they're going to get their ass sit down, and they're not going back out there the next day. So that's some of the discipline as well. Maybe we didn't know if he could bring being, you know, a such recent retired player. But I've been, I've been very, very happy so far. I think Dominic's right about his just general demeanor and overall attitude. And you hear guys talking about like Rizzo and those guys on the radio saying that Rossi's done a great job setting the message early, setting the tone early. It's been infectious. And you've even had some guys, I think from like the Brewers that first weekend, talk about how, man, it looks like the Cubs are having a fun time. Like they've taken this whole crazy ass thing. They've taken the American Legion vibe of it. And like, let's just go have fun and play baseball. And that's bleeding under the field. And it's helping eight and two records so far. And maybe it's one of the things where when you have a guy like Anthony Rizzo on your team, yeah, maybe it helps out a little bit more than it would in other seasons because it definitely seems like he's been a galvanizing force in the clubhouse. Yeah. It looks like he's really trying to rally everyone around each other to like, you know, try and have as much fun as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And Rizzo and Rossi were attached to the hip, right? So yeah. there is maybe a situation where it's not that Rizzo maybe had less responsibility on the Madden teams, but maybe Ross is somehow subtly kind of been like you know hey man like I need you to take on this particular role maybe a little bit more than you have and before and I'm going to give you that responsibility and give you that credit to be that bigger voice a little bit and kind of be the sheriff of the of the players because let's be honest I don't think Madden was a sheriff really I bet you Rizzo was still doing it but maybe he felt like oh I gotta do this all by myself because I know Madden isn't gonna do it maybe he's in a little bit more concert with Rossi this time around go ahead Sean well, it's kind of a godfather thing, right? Like, if, if, if Rossi is, is Don Vito, then Rizzo is his consigliere, right? And they're on the same page. He can call him into the office and be like, this is the message I want for the team this year. This is what I'm looking for. When I'm not out there, I need you to be the voice in the room among the players. And they're on that same page, right? Whereas maybe with Joe, because it was a little bit more loosey-goosey, which was fun in 2015 and 16, but kind of wore off 17, 18, 19, I think Rossi can kind of be a little bit sterner while keeping it loose, and Rizzo can then take that into the clubhouse and share that message with the players. And to be very fair, too, I, I don't want to make it seem like we're, like, talking down on Joe Madden. I no, think no, we're no. talking about the – I think that we're talking about differences here. I, sure. I, you know, and I think that there is now something, too, as much as it pains me, because I wanted Joe Madden to be the manager of the Cubs until I was, like, 85 years old. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that isn't how things work in life, you know, and yeah. sometimes things do run their course. And, you know, the dude was on the team for, what, five amazing seasons, went to the playoffs for four of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's a ride that I guess you can kind of get burned out on. And, and I understand that. And I think we're just talking about now that, you know, Rossi's doing a good job. We see the difference a little bit, and there is a little bit more of that injection of rejuvenation yeah. going on with the team. Dom, I want to ask you, let's just uh, let's talk about the lineup real quick. You know, uh, I, I, I was sort of didn't really like the KB Rizzo on top. I was kind of hoping maybe as the season went along, someone like a Nico Horner or maybe an Ian Happ would kind of come to fruition. 
And now I'm kind of sort of thinking this lineup is kind of good the way it is a little bit. And Rossi is really sticking with it and staying consistent with his lineup. Where do you fall on that, Dom? Do you, are you still hoping that maybe someone else emerges into that leadoff spot besides KB? Or are you kind of buying what they're selling right now with the lineup? I'm definitely buying what they're selling. Uh, and we've talked about this before that um, I like KB at the top. He's, he's your most natural hitter. You want to get him the most at-bats you can in a game, and, and that's how you do it. You stick those guys at the top of the lineup because he's obviously going to get one more at-bat than the Nico Horners. And, and really, if the game was on the line, who, who would you rather have up? And, and I'm not saying, you know, Nico Horner, I, I, I like, I'm, I'm on that wagon for sure. Um, but if, it, if the game comes down to it, I would rather see KB. Um, I, I like him and Rizzo at the top. I, I think it sets a tone for the rest of the lineup. Those are both guys who can, you know, go deep or get the extra base hit or work a walk. Um, he, Brian arguably has one of the best eyes on the team. He, Contreras and Schwarber are just guys who are going to hack, and I'm not against that. That's just what, that's what they do. Do they have a, do they have a good eye? Sure. Do they have a Chris Bryant eye at the plate? Not really. Um, and, you know, I think it was Sunday's game where it was in the lower half of the lineup. I'm not sure if they had that, uh, the fake runner on second yet, the ghost runner. Um, but the Pirates pitcher couldn't hit the side of a barn and throw strikes. He was just throwing sliders in on the knee and everybody started flailing at it. Yeah. And by the time the lineup rolled over the top, you know, it, and maybe they had just seen more of that guy by that point, but um, I was not happy in that game was in the bottom of the ninth inning because you could have had that run home earlier um, and they played the extra inning and, you know, they eventually won, but you know, come on guys, get your act together. But uh, I have no problem with uh, Brian at the top. Yeah. The promising thing that I've seen so far, and maybe this is what part of the process of putting KB up there is, you know, you know, you're right with Contreras and Schwarber. They're kind of the hacksmen, right? So it doesn't matter if Rizzo's on first base or whatever. When they hit a bomb into the seats, it doesn't matter. You know, in terms of speed on the bases, it's funny, you know, KB, when he first came up, I was like, oh, my God, this guy's going to hit 50 home runs. He's a home run hitter. But, you know, I, he does hit home runs. I think of him more as a blending of, like, a gap, baseline, yeah. doubles guy. And when you're hitting the ball in those areas on the field and you have people on base like Ian Happ and Nico Horner, with a little bit of speed, all of a sudden, if they're on first base, they're going to score. So that's more RBIs. Yep. You know, that's almost a perfect position for KB to be in in terms of when to hit with runners on base, who's on base when you're hitting. So, so far, the, the results are fairly promising. Sean, you know, what do you think right now? Do you like KB at the top? Do you think there could be a change coming? You know, where are you standing uh, on that? No, you, you, you know where I stand on that. I, I love KB at the top. I've been pushing for that since 2018. I think right now, I mean, while the lineup is, is cruising, you don't mess with it. Now, if they go through a week where it gets stale and all of a sudden they drop down two, three runs a game, maybe then you look at a half or somebody like that. But I think right now you leave it alone. I think that's another thing that David Ross has done great is your word a minute ago, consistency. The lineup every day has been pretty consistency as far as batting order, where guys are going to be. I think that's kind of good. I think KB and Riz just see a ton of pitches. I mean, what first at bat of the season, right? KB saw 10 pitches, right? When you can let Javi and Willie and Schwarbs behind those guys go to the plate, having already seen a guy throw 8, 10, 12, 15 pitches, it's going to pay off. It's going to wear down the starting pitcher, get into the middle relief from the other team quicker. So I love it up top. And I, I just, I wouldn't mess with it anytime soon. And at this point, um, shut my mouth on Javi in the three-hole. Um, yeah. Before the season, I had some worries. 
some trepidations about that. And, you know, the dude's just a baller, man. I mean, you know, he still kind of, you know, swings at pitches and swings out of his shoes a little bit. But still, man, the guy scores with the baseball perhaps the best out of anyone on the team on a consistent basis. He can do so many different things. He's still an amazing base runner. And, you know, him in the three-hole, that just makes sense. Um, And I think that that's something that you should probably put into stone there too as well. Dom, Mm -hmm. hop in. Well, like I think it was two games ago where Javi's first at bat, he, you know, the helmet flew off. He was down to a knee. He swung and he missed. Like it wasn't even close. He was so tardy on a guy's fastball, which wasn't overpowering at all. He comes up in a second at bat, second pitch of the at bat, and just lights the guy up and crushes. A, was that? I don't know if that was the one off the restaurant the other night, but he hit a freaking bomb. And it was like, it's it's so amazing that these guys can make the adjustment even in the short time of eight hitters. I mean, I know they're going back in the dugout and watching the video, but it's it it really lends itself to Javi being a a, a great ball player and making that adjustment. That's what makes him so special, and maybe, you know, that's where. We, we kind of are always hoping for a little bit more with KB, where KB, I feel like, can be just a, a sliver off. But he'll be a sliver off for, like, two games. And with Javi, he can be a sliver off, but the very next at bat, he can catch it. Yeah. And then, you know what I mean? And then next thing you know, you're like, oh, he's got a double and two home runs. The Reds uh, game. Yeah, right? yeah, pretty good. Yeah, not too bad. Um, there's two more topics I want to hit to, and then we're going to get you guys out of here. The first one is, this one could be pretty b- brief, but, hey, the defense is kind of back. That's kind of nice, right? I mean, honestly, you know, third base between Bodie and KB has been a very, very solid, you know, make the plays, even make the tough plays to get us out of some situations. You know, Kyle Schwarber threw a guy out at home plate the other day. You know, center field with Ian Happ hasn't been a complete disaster yet, you know. So, and Javi's been solid at shortstop. Contreras has thrown a couple guys out. Javi with that tag last night on a poor throw from Willie. You know, those are outs that extend innings drive up pitch counts can make a starters, you know, night a little bit longer than it needs to. I mean, Alec Mills needed that last night. You know what I mean? That, that, that throw at second base, just Mm -hmm. talk real quick about, it sort of seems like the defense is a little bit tighter and perhaps a little bit closer to the 2016 team than it was the previous couple seasons. Um, Sean, how are your, how are your thoughts on that? Yeah. First off, how sick was David Bodie last night? That dude just put on a clinic at third base last night. He's got his head right again. Yeah, man, you're right. Like, at top of my head through 10 games, I, I really only kind of remember, you know, one ground ball going through Nico's legs, and that's pretty much it. And so far, nothing has cost them. And that, that's a big thing, too. Again, when you have a bullpen that's not as good, your defense can't cost you extra outs, which lead to a walk and then a three-run home run. So it's been awesome to see these guys come back out, go kind of back to 2016 levels, because that's been one of the most, like, confusing things about this team to be like historically great in 2016 and then kind of come back the next couple of years and fall into mediocrity on the defense because defense defense travels right we hear that in football right defense travels that's one thing you can control and to lose the fundamentals and just the, the common sense the last couple of years has been confusing as hell so it's awesome to see that back and to help our pitchers out like that yeah, it's one thing to not be able to make the amazing plays all the time. That'll sort of kind of come and go. But if you can't just make the fundamental, yeah. the professional, the major league baseball plays, like that's what Bodie was making last night. Like mm-hmm. they weren't necessarily the plays of the year, but those are major league baseball plays that when you are, when you're a professional, you get that shit done. And yeah. that's what helps win ball games. And he's back doing that. Bodie seems to be off to a little bit better start this year mentally. Yeah. He seems to be a little bit more in the game. Um, and seems to be in a little bit better shape than he was last year. I'm just going to kind of throw that out there real quick. Dom, uh, your thoughts on the defense real quick. 
I just want to, you know, Schwarber had had a big rainbow throw at home. Yeah, you're lucky you got the guy out. Good throw though. It was a nice throw. But, but I'm, <laughs> wasn't like, a I, frozen rope. It was more. No, of a, certainly a wasn't. <laughs> It'll get there when it gets there. Kind of throw. Uh, but uh, I live with someone who says defense wins championships, and uh, so far that's been uh, pretty pretty uh, spot on with this team. The the play with Bodie last night is I swear it's the hardest play to make on the field. Uh, you charge it, you, you yeah. barehand the ball, you take one step, and you throw off that foot and throw, throw the guy out. And he threw the guy out by two feet. Um, yeah. uh, he did miss one, you know, earlier, maybe a game or two ago, trying to make the same play. It is an absolute it's, – it's a, it's a big league kind of play. And, and to see that the smoothness that when, when he does it right, it is, it's money. So you, you don't want to give away outs, especially with the craptastic bullpen they have. Um, so they're putting themselves in a better position, and that's, uh, that's going to be helpful for everybody. Yeah, that type of play when you're charging hard and you got to barehand it, that is all one motion with your entire body. Not only are you preparing to throw, but you got your body on the side angle right there. And my favorite part was I think the second one, the hardest part about that one too is typically when you barehand that, right, if you don't get the, if you don't get the perfect grip on it or the throwing grip on it, Typically, you're not going to be able to pull it off, which is why you, you'll see the ball kind of like shake. He actually got it, and it wasn't in his perfect grip and was able to change it mid-motion into his throwing grip and get it off, which I found to be most impressive too as well. Kudos to Rizzo over at first base. He's made a couple of, of great scoops. There was one in Cincinnati that uh, Baez seemed to just forget who was running and uh, kind of you know one-bounced it over there, and it was a play. I mean, as I've told you guys, I like to tape the game and then watch it a little bit later in the day. So it's, you know, two in the morning here and, and he makes it a little a bit later in the day and I'm, I'm <laughs> off the couch at two in the morning going, Oh, scoop. And like, that was, I mean, that was, that was a heck of a play. So, uh, you know, guys like Baez who can, who can, you know, I think he was compared to Sean Dunstan the other night, bouncing some of these throws in, you, you really don't know where it's going to go. So you yeah. got to have a guy who could scoop like Rizzo over first. Uh, you can't just throw that away. Just so we know, Sean, we can text Sh uh, Dom about the games at about 3 a.m. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> we're we're now, wrapping up right about that. Now we know. I was on that text thread just, like, crying every time that phone buzz. Like, I can't, oh, yeah. I can't look. I, I just I <laughs> couldn't sorry. look at it. It was, it was <laughs> rough. And that's, that's a thing, too, especially, you know. But the texts were little... spot on when I went through them during the game. I was like, yeah, you guys are right. <laughs> it's lost in the quarantine, too, where you start having this whole vibe of, like, you know, what is he doing right now? Of course yeah. he's watching the game. You know, you're not really checking in. You know, I call it the cone of silence. You know, I, you know, back when, you know, I had a job, um, yeah. I would, you know, obviously tape games and not look at my phone and not watch the TV and wait so I can come in and, and watch it pure and clean and fresh and not know anything about it. So I respect it. Uh, we apologize. <laughs> it's 3 I felt horrible trying to like, you know, put it in nice words. Like you can't do this to me right now. <laughs> so I put it as nice as I could, like, please just start a new thread. No, no, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be nice. You don't need to mince words with us, my friend. Um, before we get out of here, Sean, you know, you have, uh, you've got, uh, some interesting, um, ins, uh, you've got a source who shall not be named with the, uh, Chicago Cubs right now, who's close to the team. You know, are there any tidbits, anything that we missed about maybe something that, you know, is just going on with the vibe in the team right now or or just the direction that they're sort of heading that, uh, you know, maybe normal audiences aren't getting from just watching the game on TV? I, I don't think so, man. I mean, the one thing, you know, from talking to friends and people that are around the, and everything, it seems to be kind of what we're saying, man, that those guys are really actually, for all the craziness around them and the stuff they're having to go through 
from just a medical standpoint on a daily basis, they really are just enjoying the season so far. They're having a lot of fun being around each other, being in the room. It really is kind of their safe haven, if you will, kind of once they get into Wrigley, knowing, okay, everyone here is tested, we're good, we can kind of be normal for a few hours as, as much as possible. And it just sounds like they really are having a good time playing baseball. And I just – I hope that what the Cubs are doing is being seen across the rest of MLB and the rest of these teams that aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing will start doing that because I'm having fun watching baseball, as I'm sure we all are. I want to keep watching. I want to see the season end. And I also don't want to see a, a team like the Cubs who are off to an 8-2 and two start and who are hot all of a sudden not be able to play for four or five days and lose all their momentum because boneheads on other teams can't simply do the smart, intelligent thing and stay out of the places they should not be going in the middle of a global pandemic. So speaking of that, and, you know, we'll try not to end the pod on a, on a down note, but this might be our last topic. You know, Dom, the Cubs are scheduled to play the Cardinals on Friday. Um, are we playing that game? Should the Cubs want to play that game? You know, where, where do you stand on all this? Um, and obviously it's not an easy answer to, uh, to land on. As a baseball fan, I agree with Sean. Like, it's been a really great week. It's, it's been so nice even watching Len and JD joke around. I mean, it's so awkward when they're in suits and coats. But really? like, just, to, just, just, to, just to, to, to listen to the stupid banter that they have, it's just it's so refreshing. And real quick, uh, super awesome that Mark Grace is totally getting his money's worth right now with Marquee Network. <laughs> oh, yeah. They bring him in like once every three innings. Um, and he's just, I mean, he looks great. Don't get me wrong. And I actually really like Mark Grace. I think he's a wonderful addition to the booth, but man, he is so underserved right now. You're just like, you're just looking at his, like his salary in proportion to the words that he says in a broadcast is, uh, it's gotta be like one of the best, one of the best per rates out there. Well, you so, know, like so, someone in the truck is like, uh, Lynn, let's go ahead and throw it to Mark right now. It's been two innings. It's been 45 minutes. Uh, <laughs> you know, let's, let's set him up for success. Yeah. Go ahead, Dom. He stepped out for a smoke. You got to respect that. I mean, yeah. the guy's got to take a break. Um, so it's been a really good week for me. It's, it's nice to see baseball back and, you know, even, the stupid Yankees and Red Sox the other night, I, you know, tune into a couple of innings of that. It's been really good to see. Now, uh, if you're on the Cubs and you're, you're a Cubs fan, of course you want to see the Cubs play the Cardinals because they're, they're rolling right now. And yeah. now's the time you want to face them. Good starting pitching, uh, the lineup coming around. Yeah, I'm all for it. Should they play it? I don't know. The Cardinals are a bunch of idiots. Like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? Like, if you didn't learn anything from, you know, that team in Florida who I choose never to name – um, I mean, what, it's blowing my mind what those guys are doing. And it points to management. It points to Jeter. Like, you got to step in. You got to have some rules set. Will there be one or two rule breakers? Maybe. But if, you know, the Cubs seem to not have that problem right now. But I, I think it's certainly going to be uh, a, an issue moving forward. And some of these teams, I, I'm not a fan of the, the, the seven-inning doubleheader. I'm not. Uh, you mentioned it's, it's, it's good for the Cubs bullpen, and it, and it might be. But if you you said earlier you got to play the you got to play the teams on your schedule you got to play a full game um, and I, I, it's going to be a challenge for Major League Baseball even to get seven innings out of some teams I, I kind of don't want to see s stupid Cardinal people infect a team that's rolling and infect my team infect the players that I enjoy watching 
Um, so I'm kind of, I'm very disappointed in a lot of what's going on. And I don't think Rob Manford really has a, has a hold on what's going on. He came out with his a statement, I think it was Friday, who was like, the players need to be better. The players need to be better. You're in charge, brother man. Like, yep. you know, strengthen up your security. Do what you need to do to make this season possible. Because I think he's just kind of like, well, you know, if the players aren't responsible with what they're doing, he's going to come back and be like, well, you know, I tried to get baseball going and it was the players who broke the rules. Um, I think that's a stupid move on his part. I know there's a lot of people who who don't like Rob Manfred, and this is just one more reason that they throw it on the fire. Yeah, very curious that uh, baseball is heading towards an epic battle of labor negotiations. And on that particular topic, the commissioner says, we need to have player empowerment. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> we need to put that into the players' hands and have them figure it out. I completely agree with you. It's totally ridiculous. And, and yeah, you know, the baseball fan in me is completely with you. I want to play those Cardinals on Friday. You know, they haven't played in a long time. I, we're, we're rolling right now. I think it's, you know, it's kind of a perfect time to mm-hmm. catch them from a baseball perspective. But from a life perspective, from a fan perspective, broad picture perspective, I can't honestly say that I want the Cubs to play the Cardinals on Friday. You know, is that too is that too early? You know, what kind of assurances can that organization at this point give us? Like, do we really give the benefit of the doubt to organizations that have employees slash players um, going out and breaking protocol like that? And not just breaking protocol, but going out and doing like, obviously like the dumbest stuff you could possibly do. You know what I mean? It's not, you know, it's not like going to like see family or, you know what I mean? Like, God, it's just like, you're going going to to Ho-Chunk to play bingo. Like, seriously. (laughs) Oh my God. Can I, can I ask you guys? So, I mean, I think they did report today that the Cardinals have no more positive tests today. So that's great. So hopefully they, you know, as human beings, hopefully they are on the right path to, to being healthy and everyone's good in that standing. Here's my thing with this, right? Like I know that it was like recommended not to do this stuff, but these are basically rules, right? They broke rules the same way the South Florida team did. So let's say the Cubs do play them this weekend, right? Shouldn't there be like if, if you're one of the seven guys or one of the, how many other guys that went to casinos, they should not be close to the stadium. They should they not should be anywhere right? close to the stadium. How many ever, how many ever games your team had to, to miss, whether it was five, six, seven games, that's the suspension you get for being an idiot. I don't care if you're the best player on the team or you're the 30th man, because no way should a team like the Cubs have to lose momentum and not be able, able to play this weekend because guys on your team, couldn't just sit in that sit in the hotel and watch a movie it's just it it bothers the crap out of me you broke a rule you get punished it's the same way when the cardinals when they hacked the astros they broke a rule they got punished that's the way it should be well let's talk about idiots for a second just imagine the scenario where the cardinals give members of the cubs COVID 19 and imagine what that would do to a fan the fan bases oh man the, the, you know, the rivalry, uh, you know, I love rivalries. I hate, I hate the Cardinals, you know, quote unquote, I hate the Cardinals. You know what sure. I mean? Like I quote unquote hate Cardinals fans. You know, I never really take it to a malicious place, but that stuff always can be ratcheted up and taken to a place that is unhealthy, violent, and perhaps dangerous. Now, if you kind of put that wrinkle in there, which unfortunately this is an awful thing that is happening, which is being politicized like across the board. And then you put it between two franchises that don't like each other. Like, can you just imagine how that rolls itself out the next one or two years as we continue to experience this? Dom, go ahead. 
Well, you did drop the P word, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and throw that in as well. Um, just the difference, not only between the Cubs and Cardinals, but the way the two states have handled uh, the yeah. pandemic is certainly something that needs to be looked at as well. Uh, rules and restrictions are a lot more stringent in Illinois, um, and rules are a little bit more relaxed in Missouri. And I'll straight up call them Missouri because that seems to be what's going on. They, uh, th there's very little restriction, and it's, it's a different – the state's run by a different party than the state of Illinois is. Not that I'm saying one is better or, or one is worse. I'm just saying one has rules that are a little bit more relaxed, and maybe that comes into play as well. You know, if, if guys think, like, you know, I'm just going to run to the convenience store, grab a six-pack, I'm not going to wear a mask or anything, that's it's, kind of where it might get you. Yep. So let's get out of here on this. I mean, I think we're all in agreement on that. And, and honestly, I think we're just going to have to sort of see how it plays out. And when it does play out, you just have to hope that obviously Major League Baseball and both organizations involved are being responsible <laughs> and accountable to keep each other as safe as they possibly can. I can't even believe I'm like, you know, it's like – and the I'm best like, part is like I'm like talking you know, about we, it like a, like a kid like a kid's going to have like a bunch of 19 year olds are going to have a party and I'm just like look I'm just hoping that they stay as responsible as they can make the right choice you know go ahead and Doug. we and we can see each other and the best part is you know when you're trying to make that statement and, and try to give kudos to baseball and everybody following the rule Sean just sits there and shakes his head because he knows better yes. like he knows that's not going to that's not going to be priority for them priority for them is is money. And, yeah. you know, are the fans watching and they got the highest ratings in the first week and baseball sitting back and like, you know, let the players in the situation screw themselves. And football is only five weeks away, guys. Yeah. Can you believe it? <laughs> so let's just get, let's just get out of here. Let's get out of here on this final thought. Um, you know, we got, uh, we're finishing up a series with the Royals. In theory, we have a, a series coming up with the Cardinals. And then I believe we got the White Sox on the schedule coming up, the Reds and the Tigers in some sort of order. You know, in that next stretch of baseball before maybe we talk again in 10 games, give me one thing that you would like to either see different or what is the one key to maybe that we're already doing that we can keep going for these next 10 games to maybe not be 8-2 and two, but continue to be successful and be over 500. Sean, we're going to go to you first. Yeah, I mean, I guess obviously, like, you know, the obvious thing was we'd love to see the bullpen be better, so – um, but for me, I'll just, I'll just bring it back to Dominic banging his fist earlier, starting pitching, starting pitching, starting pitching. You're okay. only as good as the next day starter in baseball. Just have these guys go out there. Keep giving me five, six, seven innings a game. Let the amount of time I have to use the bullpen shrink. And let's just see what happens. If my, my starting pitchers keep dealing, I feel pretty confident that these next 10, 15 games – the Cubs are still going to be right where they are now, six, seven, eight games above 500. Dom, what would you like to see from the Cubs to either possibly improve upon or something that you've already seen that they need to stay consistent at to be successful? I say consistently keep having fun. It seems to keep guys loose. It seems to, uh, you know, invigorate the team a little bit. They want to do well for each other. And, you know, when I played, it was always like, oh, the guy in front of me got a hit. Now I want to get a hit. And, uh, and that's what I think is going on. I think that's being fostered by the management. I love playing the Royals so many times because not only does it, you know, crush Paige, uh, uh, but it makes me feel good because I don't feel nervous going into a game against the – I'm not afraid of the Royals. Uh, you've got the Cardinals, Indians, Brewers, and White Sox, as well as the Tigers and Reds at the end of the month. Um, who knows what it's going to look like in another 10 games, but um, – 
you know, consistency is key in this game. And, and I think so far the Cubs have shown a lot of consistency in both the lineup and uh, the starting pitching. That bullpen certainly needs to get ratcheted or else uh, we're going to Sean and me. Yeah, you definitely got to take care of business against the Royals. And trust me, you should not be scared of the Royals. Their right fielder's named Franchi. That's a- <laughs> uh, that sounds like a former employee of ours at Ed DeBevix. Uh, sort of working in they could use seven. her. They could yeah, totally use her. Totally, they could totally use her. <laughs> I'm in the game. Um, wow. You know, <laughs> my first instinct was to say, you know, I really want to see that top five in the lineup. Um, you know, part of the Cubs preview, I want to see all those guys click at the same time. Kind of really interested to see, can we get KB going? Can Rizzo hit a hot streak? Can Schwarber hit a hot streak? It's about time for those guys to sort of, you know, take the baton a little bit and carry the offense. But I'm going to go in a different direction. These next 10 games, I want the – it's already been happening, the consistency of production at second base to continue. You know, Jason Kipnis right now has been not a revelation, but he has been certainly a plus offensively on this team right now. I want to see that – keep that going a little bit. You know, you can mix and match him and Caratini at DH, I think. You know, keep getting him some at-bats. And I really liked what I've seen from Nico Horner. He's kind of cooled off the past couple of games. But, man, I tell you, he really makes the bottom of that lineup go. Mm-hmm. He's got speed. He's been able to hit the ball sharply. He's hit the, He's in situations, he's been able to play very smart baseball at the plate where he's had a Drawn couple of walks. Yeah, yeah, drawn walks, hit some sack flies. Um, you know, he's a young kid, so I want to see that continue. I think if that can continue to be consistent, um, I think the Cubs lineup is definitely going to be in good shape in the bottom half of that lineup. But it's been a fun 10 games. Cubs are 8-2, and two, uh, three games up on the division in a 16-team playoff format. Uh, so a lot of room a lot of room to work with. A lot of room to work with this season. And, uh, you know, that's going to do it. And thank you so much for you guys for joining us on Believe in Betting Chicago. Sean Graves, Dom Fortini. Hope to guys, talk to you guys again in 10 games. Hopefully there are 10 games to be played. That's going to be great. Let's uh, start there. You know, if we don't talk again in a month and it's only been 10 games, you know, things really got fucked up. So, uh, <laughs> you know that we're seriously in trouble. But, you guys, thank you so much for joining me. This is Believe in Betting Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Thank you so much for listening in. We're going to come back a little bit later. We're going to be talking a little more baseball and a little more basketball this week, so make sure you tune in. Until then, have a great day. Thank you for listening. Be good, be safe, be kind to each other. We'll talk then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.